This week we're talking about maps, random encounters, and the space between adventures. And then it gets a bit weird. We talk about holy figures, spam email. I don't know. I'm not sure. Welcome to We Speak Common. Hello, Jay. Hello, Benjamin. You all right, mate? I am very well, as always. We are. On the, uh, I'm all right. We're on the build up to Christmas. We're uh, we're heckin' busy, but we're still here in the studio talking D and D because we haven't got time to play it. So this is the next best thing. <laughs> this is uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, when was the last time we played? What last uh, week? That was a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? I can't remember. What is time? No, last week we played last weekend. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We we um we spent 42 minutes in a room. Yep, yep. Doing in game, not not in real life. I mean, we spent the whole time in we A room. We spent the room. whole time in A room, yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, there yeah, wasn't yeah. much moving, unless you went to the toilet. Yep, mm. and um, yeah, spent a bunch of time in a room, killed a dragon. We did kill a dra- a very powerful dragon. Yeah. Very strong dragon. Yeah. I was playing a bow-wielding fighter. Um, I was playing a Goliath gl- barbarian. It's so weird, like, it, my fighter can do nothing, literally nothing else but shoot a bow. Yeah. And it's still so enjoyable every time. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> it is. Because you were like, you were like, I'm just going to shoot it. Again. I don't even roll damage. I roll like a D8 and like all my damage is just comes from sharpshooter and my base damage anyway. So yeah. it's not even like a variation in damage. I know it's either going to be between 18 and like 26 or whatever. Yeah. Mm. So, but it's just so much fun every time, Ben. Oh, I'm glad you're enjoying it. It's so it. much fun. Our, uh, our game that we're talking about was originally a one-shot. It's now called the... Are we going to play the not-a-one-shot game? Because it's gone on for, what, this is like the fifth session? Um, high level, the, the goal is to kill Tiamat. I reckon there'll be three more sessions. I think two. Three. Actually, no, three's probably a good shout, because I reckon one more for the one that was to meant to be To finish this one. One, one more one to more do two. the next dungeon, and then a whole session fighting Tiamat, probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah, true. Three, or f- uh, three four if we take ages again. We're going to die then. But we're currently exploring the Lost City of Zion, which is cool, which is like a wizard city, and our DM um, has put in a, an Easter egg for my two wizard characters. I know. And he that, just that has, on all of them. That shook me. Um, yeah. The one becomes a bone claw. They both become bone claws. One becomes a bone claw... But is corrupt, mm. so that's fun. Um, and I said to him, "This is a this is a parallel universe to the other game, isn't it?" And he said, "We'll see." <laughs> I was like, "Great, <laughs> wonderful, <laughs> thank you." <laughs> I was so happy. It's a nice destiny to look forward to, isn't it? I can't wait to be dead. It can't be that bad. Being I'm gonna vocal. I'm gonna get the hand vector, and then I'm gonna become a glowing claw. That's what's gonna happen. Mm. Doubt, doubt, the doubt meme. Yeah, is my feelings on that one. Anyway, let's talk about a thing today that has nothing to do with bone claws and games that we play in. Um, I have been, uh, this is my topic selection, looking at maps. Um, and I recently downloaded, uh, bought a program called Wonder Draft, which is amazing for map making, and I love it. And I've come across, or I've rediscovered an issue that I have with oh. maps. So let's say, for example, you've got your map at um, continent scale, so you're seeing big cities and small settlements and nothing in between, right? And that's how I planned my original homebrew map. I I built it on a continent scale. Sure. So you've got two cities. Let's call... um, City A is called uh, Hard Home and City B is called River Run. They're from something, I think. I can't remember. Um, And my players are in City A, they've done everything they want to do in hard home and they want to go to river run so i'm like okay cool how are you going to do it it's going to be i don't know let's say six days travel 
It's not very far, is it? Let's say 20 <laughs> days travel. And they're like, okay, well, we're going to hire a coach, we're going to hire a horse, and off we go. What do you do in those in the middle of those two cities because when you look at that map there's nothing on there usually well how do you decide because the problem that i have and this is where it's come from is i'll go oh okay they're gonna come across a town then i'm like ah shit now i've got to remember that town exists and that it's there and what its name is and what its populace is that i haven't planned this town before so how do you my question to you is how do you plan and how do you populate those in between areas of nothingness that you haven't really thought about before well Ben you just stopped being a terrible DM you wow ma- you map and plan for every square mile that the players Thank may you. encounter you, yep. you think about the history and lore of each town so when they ask those questions you can answer them okay and um, you plan your encounters and NPCs accordingly and if you don't do that Ben then obviously um, you suck That's... So I think the base um, yeah, cool see you, you next week yeah. alright <laughs> <laughs> no I don't know I mean I suppose the, the DMG would just tell you I'll roll on those random tables boys but that's just boring that is boring just I don't random like table that. after random table and there are there are ways around that and I'm going to go to TOA Tomb of Annihilation um, there's a lot of hex crawl in that and the best way I think to prep for that is that you you sort out what your random encounters are for each day's travel before you play the game Yes, and if you roll a crappy one, you can think, how can I make this a bit more fun? Exactly, and you can link them together more. Yeah, and I, the problem with random encounters as well is because uh, of their nature of being random, they don't uh, tie in they to feel out of place. The, the narrative or lore in any specific way. Yeah. You know, and so I think you can r- roll on a random t- um, encounter table for inspiration, and then, but really it's your prerogative, I think, as the DM to then think, okay, how does this narratively geographically makes sense and how can I tie it into the world to make it a more meaningful encounter from a narrative perspective Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that's one way of doing it also I like to think okay where are my players right now sort of um emotionally in the game if you will where where mm. are they what are they aiming for what are they striving towards right now what are their needs and their wants yeah, yeah exactly so if I've got a player that's you know heavily tied to I don't know, uh, zombies for some reason, right? Yeah, he's got a, his village was destroyed by a bunch of undead. Yeah. If I can then chuck in maybe some undead in the forest along their their, their route to this new village, like how can I make that impactful to him? So maybe there's a tie there. Maybe there's a slight side quest investigation into the forest of where they come from. Okay. Maybe there's a new uh, uh, outspring of... Um, undead corruption that this player will be motivated to destroy because of their backstory so this this kind of goes into what my development of the first question is then is because i would love to i love to put in in stuff like that where it's got links to characters and it's got kind of it's a little bit plot hooky and there is a story there but i always worry that you know i know the players need to get to river run i want them to get there that's the goal but i want them to experience stuff on the way so i'm going to put in this little town called Moonbeam mm-hmm. and in Moonbeam you uh, you find you know that it's been overrun by zombies okay what if they spend come on Ben well you've just given me the zombie idea Ben come on the town is called Moonbeam where are the werewolves sorry yeah. come all on, the werewolves ben. okay all the we- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm, I'm having a bad day no. alright it's just not going well um, so they go to Moonbeam there's werewolves there right okay cool that's a really cool little plot but I don't want them to spend three sessions there meeting everybody working out who the werewolves are and undoing it I want them to have a nice interaction going on the way to River Run. okay so how do I this is my this is this is the struggle that I have and this is why I want to okay, have ben. a conversation about it I think I've got it in this scenario I'd make the town very very small yeah. like literally maybe a population of like 
30 people or something. Everybody knows yeah, everybody's mum. Just mom. a few huts and, you know, whatnot, and that's it. And so Mostly they, farmland. They've got a werewolf problem, so maybe they spend... They, they find some clues along the way, some people, you know, in the forest chewed up and whatnot and there's maybe they do some medicine checks they they get, wolf bites yeah they get a yeah. We- vague idea of what's going on maybe they can see some smoke in the distance they go to town they explain there's a werewolf whatever maybe they spend a session hunting and killing this werewolf right mm. but on its body you find that there's actually some more information and now you want if you want them to go back on quest you need to somehow tie it to the, their original location they were trying to get to so maybe this werewolf has family or connections to maybe more werewolves or somehow they their origin how they got bitten and whatnot and it stems from this city they were originally trying to get to so it's pulled you back on track but now you just have another hook when you okay. get to that city so if anything it strengthens their desire to get to that original destination because they've got more stuff going on there now to explore now obviously it creates more work for you it's another sort of side quest yeah. but again we've spoken before about tying multiple quests and side quests and things into one single narrative yeah. so maybe now the person who bit that werewolf and maybe sent him out to that village to cause havoc is one of the main NPCs in your main quest. So now it all kind of just ties together. And maybe as you've, they're a wizard, but also they're a werewolf on the side, sort of thing. You know, on the weekend. <laughs> they just moonlight. <laughs> they moonlight as a werewolf. Whoa, he's back. Oh, I've got it. Hello, everybody. I'm back in the chair. Um, okay, so have you got an example of doing that? So I would say my my primary example of that I've got to think here because I know I have done it but there's, there's Let's try to find numerous the uh, examples. Okay, so it doesn't tie into the it sort of ties into the main quest as such. My main goal is so you guys were travelling on this long snowy uh, mountainous pass, yep. shall we say, on your way to um, this new land. And I wanted to sprinkle in tidbits of what this new culture, this new land, these new people were going to be like. Because it's going to be very different. It's going to have a very different feel from where you'd come to before. Which you wanted was, to like slowly transition us into Yeah, but yeah. I, I wanted to give you hints of what was to come. and Because before you were going from a very typical uh, Western medieval setting into more of a um, kind of um, Slavic setting, if you will. Yeah. And so I wanted to tease some of these changes. And a big part of it was their religion. And the interesting part is that the giants and the like the humans and whatnot they follow the same religion the same gods mm-hmm. right and so I was like I want to tease this in so my random encounter which was like manticores you were fighting you then followed those manticores off for like what essentially came to like a single session side quest into this old giant ruin yeah. which you then fought this like Super Manticore thing, but I couldn't remember what the stat block was. Super Manticore. <laughs> I think it was a Chimera, I think. Um, but Probably. Like a souped up one. And when you were there, there was a lot of lore to understand about where these giants came from, what they did, etc. And you began to learn about the, their culture, their hierarchy, because mm-hmm. hierarchy is very important to giants, mm-hmm. how it works, these, this frost giant king, but also how it ties into their religion, because there was a lot of religious iconography and stuff like that. So I was achieving my goal of seeding what's to come in this new land, giving you a feel, like because I wanted the themes to, to feel... Um, I wanted it to change slowly. I didn't want it to be a real jarring um, juxtaposition. Mm. And so I did that through, well, geographically, having it take a fair amount of time to get there. And so my goal was not necessarily, okay, to directly tie this into the main plot. I could have had like, oh, Billy, the giant's also in this new place and you must go and find him. <laughs> He's here too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, what, my goal was to tie in this these themes and these ideas and I did that 
by having you go on this little side quest. And now you, that was optional because you could have just killed those chimeras, not really care where they come from, and just go on about your way. You know, yeah, it was yeah. no, uh, it was no big deal. So just a just a bit of murder, yeah, a bit of murder, yeah, cool. uh, classic. So that was one. Um, which I felt worked pretty well. It didn't derail things too much. You spent like just one extra session there, basically. Yeah. Um, pausing. And I liked the idea of you guys pausing anyway, because it was like a treacherous, cold mountain pass. So like yeah, seeking refuge was part of the, uh, the fun of it. The, I think my problem is that I worry about... I worry about characters and players taking time off of the story. I worry about that, because when I watch TV shows, for example those filler episodes like I'm like I don't care about I don't care about that character's friend I want to know how he's going to stop his mum from dying I don't know I'm yeah yeah I, I, so I, I worry about that stuff I think the side stuff is always purposeful as long as it's furthering some form of arc yeah whether that be a character arc um, a, some sort of plot arc and hook that's going on, but it doesn't always have to be plot related. So I think that, um, for instance, I would say like you you take like Avatar: Last Airbender, for instance, yeah, yeah, like, the, the greatest cartoon ever, of course. And um, a lot of those episodes are kind of filler or side stuff, but there's always one of the characters in the group is generally generally a focus on one of the characters in that group, and they always learn something or have some sort of lesson. They're always changed or afterwards. Arc. Exactly. Yeah. There's always a slight change, and so um, I think that that or or it serves to inform the characters and uh, sort of by proxy the viewers. The about players. the world in some way yeah. so like for instance one's really good is when they go there's a lot of sort of these filler episodes in like the last season when they're in like the Fire Nation just hiding out mm-hmm. um, and one of them they go to like school basically yeah. like Fire Nation school yeah. and like not a lot happens there per se it's kind of filler but what you do learn is basically that the Fire Nation are Nazis <laughs> like literally <laughs> they like worship their they worship their their, their leader their leader like the Fuhrer yeah. um, they have all this iconography they sing the anthem in the morning like it's yeah. very very um, kind of it's very dark yes yeah, very, very Third Reich-esque yeah. and so well, while maybe the characters um, themselves don't necessarily get pushed along anyway the plot's not pushed along at all but it gives the viewers a chance to learn about the environment the players are in exactly yeah. and so that I think that's just as valuable um, in, in in D&D and when you run your games I can think of sort of some more examples of when I've done that is when, for instance, you um, you went down into like the underbelly of the city, basically, mm-hmm. and I got to teach you a lot of lore about basically, essentially, the city is just built on top of old cities. You know what I mean? Yeah. On top and top and top, and it's basically crushed down into the earth, yeah. basically. So this whole underbelly structure of of dilapidated buildings and underground complexes, and so that was like a fun bit of lore I got to tell you about. Um, and also, you you come across like a ghost, which turned out was a dark elf. You find out that dark elves turn into into ghosts, ghosts when they and die, they die yeah. and it's they're like stuck. In this like um, tumultuous bit of turmoil in their life and stuff. Every time you say dark elf, I just think of community. <laughs> 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 and so uh, it tied into the main narrative in a way because uh, a, a dark elf was 
like the main character, Sigrid, is a dark elf. You yeah. learn, so you're like, oh, if we kill Sigrid, he's gonna he'll come, be a ghost. He'll potentially come back as a ghost and haunt us. Yeah. So like, like there, yeah, there let's was, not do it. <laughs> you know, and you're like, yes. That's how I made it. So you could never kill my NPCs, Ben. Oh, they just, just come, come back. back. Oh. <laughs> um, we call that plot armor. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so you got to learn about that, but. It, you also just got to learn about the culture of this world the ties between the dark elves the humans because this city essentially has been conquered multiple times by different factions yeah. and each time they've left their mark on it it's a bit of a day stop and, out of this city yeah and so while yeah. while the main narrative was not really furthered other than gaining you a bit of favour with some of the, the main factions um, it, it really was a side quest but you got it was an opportunity for me to um, espouse some lore in the world that but that felt natural so I think that's always fun because as DMs I'm always like oh, when can I read my notes to the players let me get, <laughs> let me get this when juicy lore out when can I drop some exposition so these little side bits are fun ways to do that you know it does feel a bit jarring for the main quest like okay we've got to go and chase the dragon it's like would you like to hear the history of the dragons would you See, uh, would you would you want some history because Ben I've got some history for you but if you can do it in a like a more side kind of way also it feels less forced to me because it's like the players are seeking it out. This is optional yeah, content. Yeah. You don't have to go and do it, but because you're going and doing it, you're getting this extra info. So it's like the players have kind of opted into it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I get that. Do you feel like... So uh, I think the best ex- example of me creating a, a side quest within my homebrew world was the dragon and the dragon fight because you didn't have to you saw this thing happening off in in the distance and we've talked about this you didn't have to man. come on you didn't have to <laughs> man, you could have just left it leave it dragon come on it's not, so um, it's not mince meat here, you know man. all of that was optional content and you you went off and and that was i mean you were you were tracking and chasing down a dragon and you were you were traveling yeah. so i feel like that's an example of me doing that well but i find that and it was I, only like two sessions it wasn't like a, a uh, whole drawn out affair yeah like two and a half at most yeah exactly. and i think you um and i think you all grew as players from that from that experience and you realized oh shit we've got to deal with more dragons plus it was a real team bonding exercise because there's a, there's a lot of strife in that party Ben there um, is a lot of strife in that party but the fact that we came together to kill this I mean uh, surprise it's us <laughs> to kill this uh, glorious beast yeah it was like and I think I mean Galahad almost like said it at the end it's like guys we just just we came together, and, together. Just, just came together and killed a dragon this was a team effort you know? yeah well done and I think the 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 complete opposite of that is that when I have the issue where I go okay you're going to travel it's going to take you five days. Okay, so we're in at day four, and here's what's happened. And it's like, that, to me, feels cheap as a DM, um, and I don't like doing it, but I find myself doing it constantly. But why is that? Because I, I like when I had my long travelling spell uh, in yeah. my game, and it was long, it was like ten sessions. It really I, was. It was a very curated experience, and I, I knew every encounter that was going to come up in advance, and I knew when it was going to happen. Um, and now that... I was sort of I was helped by that because geographically you were kind of funneled into a uh, yeah I mean we've said it before into a cavern yeah. sort of thing but I didn't feel like that was cheap because ultimately the players are still coming across it naturally just like they would any other quest I was giving no, them so this is what I'm saying I feel like the way you you did it yeah it dragged it out a long time but it made it feel real whereas I think when I do 
and I, I guess this is more this is kind of half on the topic of how do you how do you do time jumps properly because I find that if I do travel and I just say, okay, you've been traveling for three days. Is there anything you wanted to do on that journey? And a lot of the times players go, no, I'm okay. You know, just this, this and this. Sometimes they'll say, oh, I want to have a, com-, like Wesley will be like, I want to have a conversation with Joe. And I'm like, okay, let's role play that conversation. And we'll have that half hour of talking and role playing. And, and I know that our players really enjoy that and they pull from that so when that happens i'm like okay it was right for me to say you've been three days you've got time to do stuff what you want to do but there are other times when i say okay it's about a five-day journey nothing of of concern or consequence happens for the first three days you see a bit of this you travel through some forest i describe the scenery just a little bit and i say is there anything you want to do with those days and they go no that's when i feel like oh that's really fallen flat i don't i don't know because for me like there were times in that long journey where i literally said like at the start of the session okay like you've been walking for like seven days mm. because i needed to expand the length because it's you're, geographically you're moving a very far yeah long place distance, in yeah. difficult terrain um and so I would say that, and it's just a, a sort of a hand wavy kind of comment, but it, I think it just it gets across what I need to get across that you've travelled a long way. Yeah. Get your eye, get the players into the correct state that you are weary, you know, um, and you've tra- you're you're struggling. So that's where I wanted the players to start. So I just use a few lines just to establish that kind of setting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that just saying that oh you know three days it depends as well because I think sometimes you need that like. Um, we just killed that that dragon, right? So, yeah. um, and then we're going off back somewhere else, and like, I, like it took us like a few days to get back or whatever. It would have felt uh, indulgent if there'd been another large encounter during that time, yeah. because again, as, just as, we, a dragon. as we were talking about the pacing, you need that cooldown spell. It's like when players get a bunch of loot and stuff. They need to use it, or like, okay, I need to go spend this money, I need to do this, I need to repair my armor and things. If I'm constantly throwing up roadblocks in terms of like random encounters and things that the players have to do, where it's like, guys, I just, I just want to spend five days repairing my armor. So I just I want to get like- my AC back. Like that, that's something yeah. I think that you need to uh, understand where your players are at in terms of their kind of receptiveness to that. I feel like another way of looking at this is we've been in a, a dungeon we've we've gone from room to room we as a party we like exploring so we've explored pretty much every single room maybe we've missed one you know and at the end we've killed the boss we're in the dungeon we've now got to leave does the does the dm sit there and describe okay you walk back out you see this you see this you go through these rooms that you've been in before or does he go okay yeah you take your time you find your way to get back out of the dungeon it takes you about an hour exactly you gotta think if, when the dm's describing stuff you just gotta think what I'm doing is it meaningful? Is it adding anything to the experience? So in a dungeon, am I wasting words and time? Exactly. Yeah. So plus, I think it's a nice um, change of pace when you're going from describing literally every step the players are taking to oh, here are a few days where you know it's Nothing a little happens. bit, it's a little bit more loose, you know, <laughs> yeah. in terms of specific narrative. Maybe um, you go fishing. Telling. I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I think that's a fun way of doing things. And oftentimes, when the players are really into their characters, they'll describe their mannerisms and what they're doing during that time. Which I think we do, and I think we have the benefit of that. Yeah, we do that quite a lot. Um, <clears throat> and so, you know, I always like to remind people that Galahad is brooding. He's, he's brooding on his horse at the moment at any given time. You see time. him light a match and let it burn down <laughs> his fingers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the other day, I uh, we went to the toilet in D&D. Yeah, I know. I've crazy. never done that before. No, no, um, never. So, you know. I've never gone to the toilet in D&D. You, you know, just hold it. And I'm, now I'm never going to. No. So. I mean, I have, and it's 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 a it's an experience, Jay. Mm. Especially when there are dead people in the room at the same time. I mean, crazy. I know. 
Okay. So, plus, like, I mean, we've we kind of dunked on random <laughs> That's encounters. The weirdest segment that we've ever done. I know, but sideways. But like, uh, we've sort of you know really been kind of crapping on on random encounters, but they, no, they but are fun in some extent, and like, I think they have a time and place. Yeah, exactly. Like the. Um, the Grey Render encounter was really good up until the point where the players completely screwed me. Yes. Um, that was a fun encounter. And that, don't don't worry, that felt like a random encounter. I'm like, okay, this is obviously not necessarily connected to anything else, but that's not a bad thing. It's no, just a so break of pace. It's a fun little... Um, because it, it feels... In sometimes in random encounters from a narrative perspective, especially if you've been a DM before, it's always a bit meta where you're like, oh, he's just rolled on the random encounter table. and It's, it's on page it, 65 of Xanathar's Guide. And it feels a little bit like they've literally just taken this and just injected it into the world yeah. right, with no basis. But sometimes that can work because it's fun. It's like, whoa, we, we, you know, we just saw this crazy creature that we're so never going to encounter anywhere else. My, and it's just here. My goal with that encounter, um, I don't think no it didn't come from a random encounter table but it came from a suggestion of random encounters for a certain type of area and i took it and i ran with it and what i did was the party was moving through a forest a forest not a forest but a wooded area and my plan with random encounters and the way i use them is not to just give you something to do on your journey but to inform you of the world Mm -hmm. so i don't i don't want it to feel like this thing that we've come against is here for us to do something with. I want it to be like, we've found this thing and it has nothing to do with us. Plus... It's just in the world. Plus, I mean, the, the whole uh, crux of your adventure is that random stuff's being pulled in from lots of dimensions. So, yes. like, narratively, there's an excuse to literally pull anything, any, anything in. So, Which is why I wrote the story. When you, so, like, it's cool because then as a player, you're second-guessing, like, is this supposed to be here or is this, like, a... Uh, is this a weird portal convergence thing? Exactly, yeah. Um, and, and just to explain, um, I mean, look, listeners, you tell me, uh, did I get screwed here by the players? Okay, so... The Grey Renders, me, the Gormen, set right. the scene. You're, you're travelling through the forest uh, or the wooded area and you're on a cart. It trees either side and you, you hear... With the use of perception checks, the party heard the the rustling of bushes and the movement in the, in the trees to there. I think it was the, the the right. And you look over and you see these three eyes uh, open. They're you know bright orange, and it's it's clearly a little bit unearthly, a little bit mm. different to to natural things. Um, and so the party stops. Um, they a couple of them draw weapons, bows, and they get ready. They think, what is this thing? Yeah, I mean, Galahad gets gets out, gets his sword out, you know, because yeah. he's like, okay, monster, time to, time to go and kill it. And then an almanage, a bunny rabbit with a unicorn horn, jumps out of the bushes onto the open mm. road. And now one of the players does a check to figure out what this is, and they figure out it's a grey render, they get a base understanding. Well, okay, hang on, hang on. The rabbit isn't a grey render. No, no, no. The rabbit is a rabbit. But the big monster And the thing, big monster is following the rabbit. And they learn a bit of lore that basically the grey render is like... Um, they bond they like, like imprint themselves on, on, on a creature that they tend to be like you know sort of uh, powerful or superior to them worthy it, of exactly yeah and then they imprint following. on them and so, so the, the party basically half the party went oh well clearly well Galahad didn't know this and then but then the players I think it was like the wizard or whoever the druid or, or the wizard, explained yeah. it and he's like okay so I'm not going to go and kill this thing because it's one it's not attacking and then the players like oh it's bonded to the almanac because like, that makes no sense. Yeah. The reason they thought it was bonded was because every time someone went close to it, the thing growled or or, or hunched itself over or got ready to to do something. Um, the rabbit, being a cute little rabbit, wanted to come and say hi and was like, "Why well, stroke me? I'm fluffy." And uh, um, all in all, the players uh, attacked the render. 
absolutely yeah, well there a couple of arrows were shot into it galahad uh used his channel divinity, divinity expertly i might say to yeah, completely well. immobilize the gray render into fear and submitted it to his will he then did a couple of animal handling checks and, and, and literally pushed it on the ground it was holding its head to the ground in like a a sort of um dominant position like yeah. the, the gray render was submissive it was like done you know it wasn't attacking anyone yeah, I, I dog whispered that grey render. Okay, that's what I did. Pretty yeah. much, yeah. And the, the composer's like, "Leave it alone, don't kill it." I'm like, "Bro, I'm not killing it. I'm not killing it. I want this pet." I mean, obviously Galahad doesn't know this, but Joe, Joe wants this pet, Ben. He wants a grey render. And um, and the composer, oh no, it's already imprinted to this almanage. Oh my gosh, this doesn't make any sense. The almanage is like clearly inferior to this awesome beast um, and it turns out the grey render just wanted to eat the almanage for lunch and yep, as you left it uh, you left the almanage on the road and it, as you got far enough away it, it chowed down for dinner and due to the peer pressure of the party um, Galahad did not uh, attempt to bond with the creature and um, thus I won't have a awesome grey render pet turns out it's got like 180 hit points it's a beast in combat would be really cool I could have rode it I suppose yep. anything like that um, yeah. it would have been an awesome vengeance paladin combo it would have. They have these really fun quirks where they do silly stuff, like constantly bark or tackle people <laughs> just randomly. Yeah. It's really fun. Um, but um, so just. But to be I'm fair, I'm bitter and um, I'm hurt by it. But to be fair, I didn't put it in the world for you to go and submit it. That's no, just an option. You must have known that was what I was going to do, Ben. You I mean, I did have known. an idea that you would try. Yes. Um, so, all in all, I think the party were just jealous that they were unable to submit the beast and they didn't want me to do it because <laughs> my character's cooler than those. Okay, okay all right, fine. Um, I just want to take a side uh, a tangent here. I'm not bitter. Be- no, I know. Um, you're never going to see another one ever again. Uh, is <laughs> We've just got an email and it is. Uh, we've had so many spam emails recently. This one is from Jesus. Oh, nice. Jesus David Carbarea Sanchez has emailed us. Oh, cool. In Spanish. The only bit that I can understand is the one million three hundred thousand US dollars. Oh, nice! <laughs> so, uh, mate, the money's in. We're going to talk to Jesus. It's going to be We're fine. finally going to get that live play podcast uh, up and running. Delete. <laughs> That's gone. Um, please, uh, please don't tell us you're Jesus, because um, I will. Unless you are, in which case, you know. Oh god, Fair yeah. Enough. If you actually, oh god, oh, oh, your father. If you are actually <laughs> Jesus, oh you. Um, yeah, I mean, tell us. Let us know. Oh, if we get people emailing us telling us that they're Jesus now, I'm gonna <laughs> just I'm gonna delete. I'm gonna accidentally delete. It's like, do you remember we had that email from the guy who said he he promised he absolutely wasn't an Arabian prince? He's emailed us back, um, but he's stuck with the character, I and it. I almost got rid of it thinking it was spam, <laughs> and it, it wasn't. I like it. it's a meta narrative. Uh, it's uh, I, yeah yeah, but it's dangerous. It's dangerous for me. Um, so please, please don't tell me you're Jesus. Ben, have we cleared off this random account thing? Because I feel like I've just waffled. Yeah, I feel like I've waffled a little bit. I think it's a weird one. It's a short episode if we have, but I don't know what else we can say. I mean... I, like I said, I don't really use random encounter tables per se, other than just for the vaguest of inspiration. Sometimes, what I will do is go and look on the tables where it, like... Listen. matches a monster to the correct environment. Like, yeah, Xanathar's Guide's very good for that. So when they're all in the snowy environment, I was like, okay, what creatures? Because I'm, I'm thinking like, okay, trolls, giants, stuff. I wanted something a bit bit more unique, so I was looking for different monsters and things. Um, so I will use that for inspiration, but like with the um, manticores and stuff, I originally just put them in as a random encounter, right? As, yeah. As like my initial, and I was like, but where do they come from? 
Yeah, you flushed like, it out. Like I, I can't just put them in there. And I know most of the times the players are not even going to ask. Like, oh, Joe, where did these come from? Can I do a check? And I'm like, oh no, I'm I don't know. <laughs> but that's yeah. what I'll try and figure out. But, yeah, but I even feel like, the, like that that will never come up. The answer to that can always be: this is their natural environment. This is where they live. This yeah, is where yeah, they breathe. exactly. And it's not yeah. like it's not a hard question to answer. But for me, I'm like, I must know the answer to this. So then I, I saw the opportunity to link it with um, one of my other goals, which was you know explain about the giants, give yeah. them a bit more law give a bit more opportunity to find that stuff out and I always feel as well like we were talking about earlier is if they're on a bit of a side quest like a bit of an opt-in kind of thing yeah I feel like I can espouse more lore and give a bit more exposition because I feel like well the players have kind of asked for this yeah they want to be here they've come in here of their own volition like I've really not led them in here with too many hooks um yeah I get that I feel that I agree so I think that that's a um it's just something I, I like to do and I think it's a decent way to tie things together we're always saying about it. sometimes it can make the world feel small if everything is tied together that's why we were saying it's fun to sometimes do just put in these really random like, stuff yeah that, like with the grey render that's just where they live like but I think for the most part connecting stuff does make it feel satisfying you know and you always have that eureka moment oh I know that person or ah I know what that means because it's this other thing I saw 20 sessions ago so here's an example I, we've managed to get to the end of an episode without bringing up Star Wars so I'm going to bring up Star Wars very good why does everybody in the universe have to be connected to the Skywalkers I know that's that's an example of it being bad when everything it is everything. but then at the same time my nostalgia is like ooh I wonder if she's the parent of her and he's connected to him yeah because say there's a fine line you can walk there with is it. there yeah. is and I think that you know it's nostalgia done well nostalgia done poorly basically I uh, do not know what the topic of this episode is because I started off talking about maps <laughs> and we've got onto random encounters but I think it all links together they are they do all link together um and I think ultimately the, the correct answer is is to plot out every square foot of your world so you know what's there. And then <sighs> if the players sick. go there, they will then, you know, they'll ask you and you'll be able to tell them. And if you, you know, if you can't tell them, you are a terrible DM. Are you it's a fair plotter enough. or a pantser? Um, and, um, you know, so it just makes sense that you should spend every waking moment of your day uh, world building. I think is the answer to that one. Okay. Well, um, thanks for that. <laughs> I'm not going to live by that rule. Uh, this is a short one. This is a short and sweet one. I feel like we've given a few short and sweet episodes recently, so I'm really sorry if you just want more. Uh, but I promise that next week's episode is a nice, juicier, uh, bigger bit of a one because we've already recorded it. Um, when you do do that, I find out it's a, an extremely unsatisfying and never-ending tunnel. I once well, got to, Always well build. Uh, I got yeah. to the point where I was like figuring out how a cave came to be like from a topographical and oh, sort God of um, kind of yeah, um, erosionary point and I was yeah. like at some point when I was googling like how do cave Tectonic walls plates. I was like yeah. how do cave walls erode and I was like Joe enough's enough yeah. <laughs> just yeah they get to a point I spent where you... 40 hours developing this single cave I just need to move on <laughs> yeah it gets to a point where you've just you, you can't take any but then I'm like what in? if the player comes into the next session it turns out they've got a degree in like geographical erosion and they're like how did this erode and I can't tell them Ben Joe the world's gonna fall apart they're gonna see the seams of the you world know that, you know that none of us have a degree in <laughs> topical erosion <laughs> I don't know some of these guys are very elusive with their real life Oh, <laughs> yeah, I mean so. that's true. That is true. Um, anyway, look, uh, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you for um, answering some questions I had, Joe. Um, if you want to get in touch, if you want to give us any thoughts or opinions or any topics that you want to hear us talk about, we speak common at hotmail.com or at we speak common on Twitter. And if you see us on Reddit, it's me. So feel free to chat me up. We'll have a talk. Um, 
Don't chat me up. <laughs> you know what I mean. Talk to me. <laughs> Woo uh, him. Woohoo! <laughs> uh, as the as the Sims say. Uh, next week is the episode is happening. It's on Boxing Day. It's recorded. It will be there for you. So uh, if you want to listen on Boxing Day, feel free. Have a wonderful Christmas. Um, is there anything else that's worth saying before we go? Um, I don't know. If you are Jesus, get in touch. We could do with a miracle. <laughs> or one million three hundred thousand dollars. That would be great. Either too. or. You know. I mean, the conversion rate's not great, <laughs> no. uh, but we've had a general election and the pound has soared. So. so. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! What is life? Right. Let's leave it there. Thank you, Joe. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for listening today. If you like the podcast, do us a favour. Leave us a like or review on your platform of choice and share us with your friends. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at WeSpeakCommon or through the email WeSpeakCommon at Hotmail.com. The music in the podcast is Street Dancing by Timecrawler82 and is licensed under an attribution license CC by NC. You can find it on the Free Music Archive. Free Music Archive.